Welcome, everyone. My name is Jill. I'm one of the Community Life Pastors here, and it is great to be with you today. If you are new or visiting, maybe a friend invited you or you found us online, we just want to say a very special welcome. We are so glad that you've chosen to be with us this weekend. We have a new people's table out in the lobby with some volunteers who would love to meet you and help you get connected. They'd, they also have a free welcome gift for you, so be sure to stop by our table in the lobby after service. And then we also have connection cards in your seat backs. You can take one of those and fill that out as a way to let us know that you're new and drop it in the offering bags when they come around in just a moment and one of our pastors would love to follow up with you. As always, we also want to say a very special welcome to all those who are joining us online. And so if that's you and you are with us online, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us. Well, I have a few different announcements for us today. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the life of Christian Assembly. So first, ladies, we are so excited to let you know that our Women's Bible Study Winter Session is kicking off this week, and Women's Bible Study meets on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock and Wednesday mornings at 9.30 a.m. It meets right here on our church campus across the street in our North Sanctuary, and this session we're going to be continuing in our study in the Gospel of John. So if you usually join us, We'd love for you to join us. And if you've never joined us, we also invite you to come and be with us. We do have free childcare available. You do need to register your kids on our website. We also want to let you know that we have a partnership class coming up, and partnership is an important next step of belonging, whether you are new to Christian Assembly or maybe you've been around for years or even decades. Partnership is a four-week class that meets on Sunday mornings, and it's a great chance to learn more about who we are as a church, what we believe, and how you can get connected. You'll also have a chance to meet a lot of our pastoral staff as well as enjoy free breakfast and coffee. So we would love to see you guys there. You can sign up or get more information about partnership on our website. We also want to let you know that we have a group here called our Multi-Ethnic Learning Community. This group meets on a monthly basis, and the next meeting is coming up on January 19th. And this is a group that meets specifically so that together they can seek to live out the biblical values of discipleship, justice, and reconciliation. So you can get more info about that in your bulletin. And then finally, we also have a baptism class coming up. And if you have given your life to Jesus Christ and trusted him as your Lord and Savior, but you have not yet been baptized, we want to encourage you to take that next step and get baptized. So our next class is happening on January 22nd, and then our baptism weekend will happen on February 11th and 12th. And for more info about all that, check our website or the bulletin. Well, now is the time in our service where we get to continue in our worship through the giving of tithes and offerings. And as we do that, and as we prepare our hearts for that, let me read to us what God's word says in Psalm 89, verse 8. It says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. 
And so as we give back to God today, let us remember that we're giving back to a generous and faithful God. In just a moment, we'll pass the offering bags. As always, you can give online through our Christian Assembly LA app or on our website. If you're new or visiting, please feel no obligation to give. And to the rest of you, to our church family, thank you, thank you, thank you for your ongoing giving and generosity. Would you join me as we pray together one more time? God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. And God, would you just make each person here who loves you and is following you, God, make us faithful to you and make us faithful in the area of our finances and our giving and our generosity, Lord. So help us to give back to you with full and generous hearts, Lord. God, we love you. Speak to us throughout the rest of our time together. And we pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. The ushers can come forward. Well, if you're a visitor or guest, my name is Tom, and what an honor and a privilege to have you here among us, uh, whether you're here in person, whether, you're, whether you are catching us on YouTube or through our app or our website or otherwise, great to be with you. Of course, great to be with my CA family as well. I pray for you all the time. I love you, and uh, those of you who are first-time guests, I've been praying for you as we jump into this series as well. Well, we are on week number two of a series entitled How to Have a Great Year. And this week in particular, last week we talked about how to start your year off well. And uh, all of the men, I called you to make the decision to decide in advance to join us on Wednesday night. We had more men show up for our men's gathering than any other men's gathering we've ever had in the history of our church. And so I want to thank the men and, yeah, that came and we're a part of that. So many of you brought uh, friends or brothers or co-workers, and um, just want to thank you for doing that. It was a great time together. Well, this week, we are talking about strengthening your relational core. In fact, this week, I read about a fascinating concept coming out of Zimbabwe called the Friendship Bench. Have you heard about the Friendship Bench? I had never heard of it, but it's fascinating. <clears throat> So friendship benches are starting to pop up and be located on the grounds of medical clinics in major cities in the country of Zimbabwe. And what is a friendship bench? It's just simply a bench, kind of in a, a park-like setting on the grounds of these uh, clinics, where it's a safe place where a trained community member talks with folks about what they call in the lang local language there, they call it, uh, I'm going to make certain I try to say it right, Kufung Isa, which is roughly translated as thinking too much, which is what we Americans call depression. <laughs> and so they meet, and, and the idea here is that while people might be hesitant to uh, schedule a meeting, to go to a medical clinic or a hospital, to speak to a medical professional about their mental health issues, they were generally willing to sit on a park bench and share their worries or anxieties with someone from their own community, with someone who is just a friend in a non-threatening setting. So each week on these friendship benches, the friends would meet and they would have an intentional uh, conversation with the point of discussing whatever issues the, the person was coming with, whatever challenges they were facing. And the key was that they also weren't just talk, talking about it and sympathizing, but they were developing a plan to overcome that difficulty. And then they would meet the next week and review the plan and how it went, and they would keep doing that. It sounds like a really simple thing, right? But here's the thing. The strategy seems to be working. According to a study that tracked 573 patients with anxiety or depression for a six-month period of time, 87%, 87% of those who participated in a weekly friendship bench meeting no longer had symptoms of anxiety or depression if they would stick with it for six months. Now think about that for a moment. If I told you that Pfizer was coming out with a pill, that if you took it once a week for 24 weeks, you had an 87% chance of curing your depression or anxiety, and there were no side effects, and it was free, you would sign up for the pill, right? Not only would you sign up for the pill, you would tell every one of your loved ones who struggles with any form of depression or anxiety to do so as well. Well, guess what? We do have that pill. It's called the power of the right kind of friendships, intentional friendships. And so as we continue our series on how to have a great year, we're going to see what the Bible has to say 
about the, the right kind of friendships that we need to have, why they're so important, and the four kinds of friendships that each of us need to have as well as become in order to have a great year. So we're going to consider that, but before we do, let's pray. God, we thank you that we can come and hear your word. And as we come to your word, I pray that you would lead the spiritually convinced and the spiritually unconvinced to complete commitment to you. Your word is living and active. I pray that you would make our hearts tender to you and that we would receive your word, believe your word, and live from your word. That we wouldn't just be hearers of it, but we would be doers of it because it's in the doing of your word that indeed you bless us and strengthen us as we start this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. On your way, and hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it open to this little center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there, as well as the scriptures that we're going to be digging into. Those of you online can catch the notes online as well through our website, Christian Assembly, uh, www.cachurch.com. Well, if you're going to have a great year, you have to strengthen your relational core. I want to give us three questions that are going to help us dig in and dig out of God's Word, how God advises us from His Word to strengthen our relational core. The first question is this, which is, why are friendships so important? Well, the first thing we see is that you were created for relationships. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone, and I will make him as a, a, a helper, as his partner. Now this verse specifically is about the relationship between a man and wife, but the principle applies broadly to all relationships. And by the way, don't get too tripped up when he says, I'm going to make a person who is a helper because God calls himself our helper. And so we're designed to need one another, and to help one another as human beings. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In other words, you can't follow Jesus without the relationships that are needed in order for you to both give love to others as well as to receive love from them. So why are friendships important? Well, first off, we were created for them. The second thing is, isolation makes you foolish. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. One prominent sociologist I was reading this week put it this way, commenting on kind of modern culture. She said, We are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections may offer us the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. We expect more from technology and less from one another. Isn't that true of us? As the Proverbs we just read says that he rages against all wise judgment. So what happens is our drift to isolation ultimately makes us arrogant. We can think like this. Well, listen, I don't need to spend time with other people. I don't need to be intentional about carving out time for community or friendships because I don't need other people. And because I'm better than other people and everyone else that's around me, they're all stupid and they're an idiot, but I'm not like them, so I don't need other people. I want to encourage you, if you think like that, to realize you're on dangerous ground. Because if you think like that, what's happening is you become easy pickings for your enemy, the devil. Plus, I would say that if you are strong, if you feel like I'm in a great place, I'm in a strong place, I don't need anyone. Well, the reality is that there might be someone that needs you. And if you're strong now, I can guarantee you in this life, you will not be strong forever. You will enter into a season of weakness where someone else is going to be the one that strengthens you. You, I want to encourage you to be intentional about getting into a life group here at Christian Assembly. Make that part of your commitment to strengthen your relational core. Countless times I've sat with people who come to me as a pastor in regret because they made some horrible decision, which at the time maybe seemed like a really great idea, 
but now they're living with the fallout of the bad decision. And I often ask them, I say, well, before you made the decision and took the action, who did you speak with? Who guided you? What counsel did you receive? And often the answer is, well, not really anyone. I'm so busy, I don't have time to build those kind of close, trusted, respected relationships. And what they often can't see is that in this life, you will either choose time to build your relational core, or you will be forced to take time to clean up your relational messes. That's what's going to happen. You will either intentionally build your relational core, which will strengthen you. You won't be as foolish. You'll you'll be able to be humble. You'll receive wise counsel from others. Or you'll go it alone. But if you go it alone, you're going to have to clean up messes along the way. Both of them take time. But I want to encourage you to get on the positive side of the ledger. It's always to be better to be on the building up my relationship side rather than cleaning up the relational messes I made because I've been isolated, which led me to arrogance. So let me ask you, who knows you well enough to challenge you and your plans and your decisions? The most effective and fruitful people are those who know that they can have blind spots in life. And so they diligently seek out and intentionally cultivate the right kind of friendships in their life. The third thing we see is this. Why are friendships so important? Because friends will shape your future. We've said this over and over at CA. Let me say it again. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Proverbs 13 verse 20 puts it this way. It says, walk with the wise and you become wise. Associate with fools and you get in trouble. You and I are becoming like our closest friends, so choose them wisely. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. Let me ask you, as you think about your closest friends, what kind of future are they sharpening you towards? If it's a good and godly one, then commit to those friendships and carving out time for them in 2023. But if your friends, if you assess it, they're your closest friends. They're leading you away from God. They're leading you away from His goodness. You will need to decide now to get new friends for you to have a great year this year. If you're leading your friends away from God and His goodness, you'll just need to decide now to become a better kind of friend now in order for those around you to have a great year. So the first question is, why are friendships so important? The second question is this. What kind of friends do I need, according to the Bible, and I need to be for others? So there's two sides on the coin on this. Part of it is, I'm going to walk through four types of friendships. What are the friends that I need in my life? But also, we don't want to just consume friendship from other people. What are the types of friend that I need to be towards others? The first type of friendship is partners. Partners are friends who will help you get the best return on your labors. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. Let me ask you as you think about your goals for this year, what is something that you want to succeed at with God's help? Maybe you want a stronger relationship with God. Maybe you want a a stronger marriage or better family relationships. Maybe you want to be more fruitful in in leading people to Christ that that don't know Christ. Maybe you want to take care of your physical health better. Maybe you want to be better in your workplace and in the marketplace. Maybe you want to spend less time worrying. Whatever it is, you need to have a friend who partners with you to that end. That you invite them to intentionally join with you, help hold you accountable to that end. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, not one by one. Why? Because we need one another. We need partners. In my own life, I have different friendships that are partnered with me in different areas of my life and I with them. But let me just tell you, that doesn't just happen. You have to build that. You have to pursue that. You have to make time for that. I remember a number of years ago, my kids were getting older. 
Uh, I knew that they were going to want to go to college. I wanted them to go to college. And so <clears throat> I began to, to feel a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, you know, having three kids that are lined up kind of one after another to head off to college can be a daunting experience. It was a new season of life. And I began to ask myself and pray, like, how can I plan well for my kids as they step into this new season? And so I, I thought, had my own thoughts, I had my own plan, and kind of had that written down. Alice and I had talked and, and prayed about it. But I had three different men who gave me wise input. I went to them, and I said, you're a little bit further down the road than I am. You have kids that have gone through college. Here's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm inviting you to speak into my plan. Where are my blind spots? Where is it that maybe I'm not seeing something the way that I need to see it? And each of them had like a little key that they gave me without even knowing it that adjusted the plan in order to make it stronger and better as I walked in <clears throat> to this new season. So now I have a prayerful, solid, practical, God-honoring plan in place for each of my kids as we walk towards college. Others of you, you might be asking, Tom, how do I care for aging parents in a God-honoring way? That, that might be the season of life you're in. And, and maybe there's someone else who has cared for aging parents well, that you need to invite them in to that discernment as you're creating that plan. Maybe others of you, it's how do I lead a loved one to Christ? How do I disciple my young and growing uh, kids? How do I increase my skills for work? How do I become a better student? Or whatever else is your God-honoring goal this year. Friends who are partners will help you get a better return for your labors. So you need partners. The second type of friendship you need and you need to become is lifters. Lifters are friends who will pick you up when you've fallen down. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10, the very next verse after the one I just read, says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But, if, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. If you're isolated and you fall alone, you're in real trouble. Who are the friends that you have in your life that you are ready to lift them when needed? Who do you have in your life that's ready to lift you when needed? We need to be both lifters as well as willing to lift others in our life. I have uh, friends both within the life of Christian Assembly, some who live in other cities. I have a some of my friends are senior pastors in other parts of the country, and they check in with me, and they lift me up. They pray together. They, they call me up. Hey, I'm texting. I'm, I'm calling you. I, I'm praying for you about this. I'm praying for you about that. And I'm committed to lifting them up as well. Who is that in your life that's a lifter? Proverbs 24, 16 says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. This year, you may trip. In fact, you probably will trip. A great year is not based on never tripping. A great year comes when you know that if you may trip, you have lifters around you who are friends who will pick you up again and be one of the vehicles of God's grace and strength to you. And you are committed to being a lifter to others as well. The third type of friendship we all need and need to become is encouragers. Friends who will warm you up when you're feeling cold. Ecclesiastes 4.11, the very next verse says, Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Show of hands. How many of you have ever had a situation where maybe you knew God was prompting you to do something, but you didn't feel like doing it? Have you ever had that situation? Yeah, I've had that situation too, right? Maybe you were tired, you were worn down, maybe you had tried before and it didn't work, whatever, whatever the situation is. So I'm going to tell you a true confession. It's not a flattering story of me, but it's true. So several weeks ago, we had our Christmas Eve services and uh, my asthma was acting up. I had had the flu like a month before and, and the lingering impact of that was that my underlying asthma had flared up and so... Uh, preaching requires 
a lot of in and out breathing and it requires a lot of like attention and focus and emotional and spiritual energy. In fact, people, it's so funny who have never preached before and then they preach. They're like, I didn't realize how exhausting it was because it looks like you're just standing up there talking and yet there's all this energy that you're using, right? And so it requires a lot of that. My asthma is acting up and, and I was tired after preaching many services. Um, so we, in that service, we announce all this good that we're going to be doing you know, to the global poor. And I leave the very last service of the weekend and I just want to go home. I want to eat a good meal. I want to take a nap. And as I walk out the door, a staff member comes over to me and says, Tom, there's a homeless man across the street uh, who's laying in the parking lot. Uh, We want you to know that we've already had two staff members go and, and seek to help him. I just want you to know that he's been attended to. So in order for me to get to my car, I have to go down and uh, cross the street. And I'm walking up the sidewalk on the other side of the street towards the orange building where I had parked the car. But to do that, I'm walking by the parking lot where this guy is is right there. And I see him as I'm crossing the street because he's in the parking lot across the street. And I know others have attended to him. And I turn the corner to start walking up to the orange building. And I sense just in my spirit this, this word of like, stop and talk with him. And give him the $100 that you have in, in your pocket. I had been, If you were with us on Christmas Eve, you might remember. I had the $100 uh, in my pocket, sermon illustration. I didn't have my wallet with me. The only thing I had on me was $100. So it was a $100 bill or nothing. Those were the two options that were available. So I argue in my mind silently, and I say, well, you know, others have already attended to him, and I'm tired. My asthma's bothering me. You know, we're doing all sorts of good for the global poor. Like, do I need to do something for the local poor? Like, I have my daughter with me. She's been here a long time rehearsing and singing. I'm sure she wants to get home, too. And I ignore the promptings, and I walk on even though I believed it was the Holy Spirit prompting me. I walked by. So I walked like another uh, 50 paces. And then I turn before we get to the orange building, and I look at my 16-year-old daughter named Sophia, and I say, Sophia, did you see that guy back there? She was like, yeah, I saw him. I said, Sophia, I think God wants me to go talk to that man and give him the 100 bucks I have in my pocket. But you know what? I'm tired, and I know that you're tired too. I don't really feel like it. What do you think we should do? (laughs) and she says to me well you know if you really think it's God you should you should do it she said you'll regret it later if you don't you see in that moment having the right person by my side made all the difference she warmed up my cold-hearted heart so we go back the guy speaks Spanish and a little English I speak English and a little bit of Spanish. So we speak Spanglish to each other. We're able to communicate enough, though. If you remember, it was, it was hot. Like, it was Christmas, but it was like, you know, 85 degrees or something that day. And I asked him, is there something I can get you? And he said, I'd, I'd really love a Coke. You know, I'm like, I, I don't have a Coke. Like, I'm not carrying Coca-Cola in my pocket, you know. But then I remember in the cafe across the street, we have, we have Coke. And so Sophia and I go to the cafe, and we get a Coke, and we get some food. Come back, I give him the Coke, I give him the food, and I give him the $100 bill because I'm certain that the Lord wants me to do that. I ask him to pledge to me that he won't use it for drugs and alcohol. He pledges that, and of course, I'm not dumb. He might misuse the money, or maybe he won't. Kind of like whenever God entrusts money to us. but I gave it at the command of the Lord because I felt like the Lord was saying I want you to give this alms to the poor so I know enough Spanish to tell him that I'm giving it to him in Jesus' name if you were with us on Christmas Eve you might remember this I said I'm giving this to you because you are one of the ones that Jesus loves I come home My daughter shares the story with my wife and my two sons. And as she does, I had a stack of mail that I hadn't opened on the counter. And I open up one of the cards, and as I open the card, something falls out of the card. It was a Christmas card uh, from someone in our church, and out drops a $100 bill. 
This is a true story. I'm not making this up. And my college-age son, Caleb, looks at my wife, Allison, and says, wow, look at that. Dad gave the $100 bill away to the poor in obedience, and literally God has already given it back to Dad within like 10 minutes. And I stand there for a moment, and I think, what would this moment be like had I not had the right friend by my side? We have a family discussion around caring for the poor in Jesus' name. And I tell them, listen, I walked by. I was tired. I disobeyed. My heart was cold. But I had the right person by my side. In this particular case, it was my 16-year-old daughter named Sophia. And I said, Sophia, you encouraged me. You warmed up my heart. And so we obeyed together because you were the encourager to me. Let me ask you, who is your and who are your encouragers? Who are you encouraging? Who do you know that needs their heart warmed up because they're sick, they're worn down, they're tired or whatever else, and you're the God-appointed person to come alongside them and be the voice of encouragement in a season of weariness for them? The fourth and final group, type of friends you need is the defenders. These are the friends who will have your back when others attack. Ecclesiastes 4.12, the very next verse says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Who stands with you when others attack you? To strengthen your relational core, you've got to have some defenders. People who believe the best about you and will appropriately defend you when needed. When I first came onto the staff here at CA, um, I was 29 years old and I had started a Sunday evening gathering still going on called Fusion to lead uh, you know, 18 to 35-year-olds to Christ. And as part of that, we had a number of different events that were going on and so we have an event and this guy brings this friend, I never met the friend before. And the friend keeps hitting on the, the women that are at this kind of social gathering. And he was acting creepy and he was persistent in asking for their phone numbers repeatedly, even after they had told him no. So these three women that he kept harassing, I don't think it's too strong of a word to say that because that's what it was once they told me the story. Um, they asked me to, they come to me at the event, I'm there in the room, and they asked me to intervene. So, you know, I, I pull the guy aside, I say, hey, come here, I, I've never met you before, come on over here, I just want to have a conversation, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, like I'm trying to just get to know him a little bit. And I say, hey, listen, I, I know you're new here, I've never met you before, um, but uh, I, I want to encourage you, you know, because a couple of these women have told you no, uh, I'm going to ask you to not ask for any other phone numbers anymore for the rest of the night. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I tell him that, and I said, you need to leave them alone. Um, and if you don't, um, then I'm going to have to ask you to leave. So this dude steps up to me and says, oh yeah? Who are you? Let's step outside. This is what you got to put up with if you pastor a church. And I have two things that happened to me. I'm 29 years old, and I'm looking at this dude, and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. This joker wants to fight the pastor in the parking lot. And the youth group brawler in me was about to arise. <laughs> and as I'm standing there thinking, I, gosh, I, I'm going to deal with this type of stuff. I see a guy walking across the room. Now, this guy's name is not John, but for the sake of the story, I'll call him John. John is six foot three. He's got a shaved head, a long pointy beard, built like a truck, looks like a neo-Nazi, comes from a very violent past, but he's investigating Jesus. And he and I had become friends. He's the kind of guy that if I saw him in a dark alley, I would not want to meet this guy in a dark alley. He's the type of guy, I'd be like, that's the guy that I would not want to mess with. 
And he must have seen this joker step up to me. So he walks across the room. And he comes over and he says, Tom, is this dude fronting on you? I'm like, you fronting on me? Because John wants to know if it... But before I can say anything, John turns to the guy and says, hey, let's step outside. <laughs> True story. He says, Tom's the pastor, and I don't know much about church, but there's probably some kind of rule about pastors not allowed, being allowed to get into fistfights in the parking lot, but I'm not a pastor, and I'm not even a Christian, and I love the fight, so I have no problem stepping outside with you, and I'm going to leave you as a bloody mess on the sidewalk. I'm like, welcome to Christian Assembly. <laughs> Fill out the new people's card. Take partnership. It'll be great. You'll love it. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, the guy looks at me and says, you know, I, I just, I think I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I'm like, really? You think God's given you the gift of discernment? <laughs> now, when, when I say defender, thankfully, most of us don't need physical defenders around us all the time. But the most common way that we attack one another or are attacked by others is by our words. Attacking your reputation unfairly and such. Let me ask you, who are your defenders? And who are you prepared to appropriately defend when others attack without cause? Because we all need friends who have our back when others attack. Brings me to the third question, which is this. What is the secret sauce to effective friendships? The secret sauce is whatever holds it together so long as the friendship is positive. It could be a common cause. It could be a cause, common season of life. It could be a common commitment. It could be even a common hardship. Whatever it is, this common thing between you and the other person becomes a powerful unifier. For example, in 1905 in the city of Boston, a physician named Joseph Pratt organized weekly meetings for patients with tuberculosis. And he was simply trying to be efficient and get them together as a group to teach them better health habits. But surprisingly, he discovered that the group also excelled at providing emotional support to one another as they went through their hardship together. He concluded by saying that their common disease helped them develop a common bond. A friendship developed in AA could be another example of this. But the key is, is that the friendships need to be positive. Because research also shows us that a person is 50% more likely to be a heavy drinker if they have a close friend or family member who's a heavy drinker. That's why God's Word tells us in Proverbs 12, verse 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. That's why our life groups here at CA and other groups are, uh, here at CA are so important. They are the positive circles of friendship and relationship where you can strengthen what matters most in your life, namely your relationship with Jesus and others. And you can find all four of these types of friendships through those networks of life groups and women's Bible study table groups and recovery groups and classes and partnership groups, and the list goes on. If you want to have a great 2023, you need to decide now that you will strengthen your relational core. Why? Because you were created for relationships. So that means that no matter how well everything else goes in your life this year, if your relational world falls apart or if you are isolated, it won't be a great year. Friends that you're going to need and that you need to become are partners and lifters and encouragers and defenders. You need to find them for yourself and you need to become them for others. And if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you, listen to me, make certain your closest friendships are brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because when our desires begin to harden us to God and His Word and His will, friends may stay and fight for us, but our brothers and sisters in Christ, our church has vowed 
to stay and fight for one another until death ushers us together into the presence of Jesus. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, isolation dies in church families that know that they need and that they want to gather. For those of you who call CA home, our weekend gatherings are not a sweet addition to a full and happy life. They are the foundation to a full and happy life. In fact, who do you, need, who do you know that you might need to invite to bring with you next week? Or maybe someone you've known through Christian Assembly, you haven't seen them in a while. Call them, reach out to them, text them, email them, whatever you need to do to invite them to not only be with us on the weekends, but maybe just, hey, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. God means for us to know Him, to serve Him, and enjoy Him, and become like Him as we become part of the church, Christ's body. So let's start this year by setting our wills, our hearts, our prayers, and our actions to strengthen our relational core. And it will be one of the main ingredients that God uses to help us have a great new year. Let's pray. Even for a moment, I want to invite you now just to thank God for the friendships and relationships you have, the the, the good and godly, the positive ones, sometimes we can take that for granted. How can you thank those individuals that are coming to mind this week? You know, just a simple, hey, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being an encouraging friend. Thank you for being a friend who lifts me. Thank you for being a friend who defends me. Thank you for being a partner who, who helps me reach to the God-given goals that I have. God, I thank you for the friends I have in my life. Maybe you're here, or maybe you're online and you're feeling isolated. No one's coming to mind, or just one or two people maybe. I want to encourage you, if that's you, to get into a life group or other group at CA. We announce partnership. I want to encourage you to jump in. That's a great place to meet some folks. Under our Thrive ministry, we have divorce care coming up. We have a resilient class that's coming up you can jump into. We already heard about the women's Bible study that's uh, kicking off again this week. We just had our men's gathering. We have these uh, uh, men's groups. They're called unoffendable groups that are launching, or you can jump into one of our regular men's groups. If you're isolated, don't do 2023 alone. Or maybe you know someone who's isolated. You're not, but, but they are. And you're the God-given friend to help them move from isolation to community. Maybe some from your workplace, your family, school, or your neighborhood. Call them and invite them to step towards the friendships they need. Even, you might be thinking, well, Tom, I don't know. I mean, they, they're not, I don't even know if they're a Christian. All the better. Sometimes you need to belong before you come to believe. You need to be around a circle of Christians to see what real, normal Christians are like so that they can begin to know the God who loves us. Or even now, which of the four kind of friends, as you think about them, are you missing in your life or do you need more of in your life? Partner or a lifter, an encourager, a defender. Pray for that now. Ask God, would you give me partners in my life? Lifters, encouragers, defenders, whatever it is for you. Or the other side of the coin. Which of those four types of friends do you need to grow in becoming to others in this new year? Maybe being a better partner to others, helping them achieve the best return on their labor. Maybe you need to be a, a lifter who's lifting up someone who's feeling down and out. Maybe you need to be an encourager. Somebody's in a weary season and they're, they're worn down and, and you can warm them up and warm up their cold heart again. Or maybe you can be a better defender, appropriately so, for those who need that. How else is God inviting you to strengthen your relational core 
as we start this new year. All this talk about friendship. If you're a Christian, you can become a great friend to others because you have come to know the greatest friend of all time, Jesus. Jesus in John 15 verse 12 says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for your friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, but now I call you friends. For everything I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. In fact, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you can say, God, I want to do that now. I want to start this year with you. For the very first time, you can just say, I'm saying yes to you. I'm placing my faith in you. I receive your love. I trust you. I trust your word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a love for your word, the Bible. Give me a love for your people the church, and help me be one of your followers all the days of my life. And if you said yes to God for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the family of God. In fact, let me know. I have a New Believers New Testaments up here. I'll give to you as a gift to you. Your very next step after that is to be baptized. And so, Father, now I pray. For all of us who call CA home, for every visitor and guest who's with us, whether online or in person, would you help us by your grace to strengthen our relational core this year in ways that are going to help us follow you and know you and honor you and obey you and not only hear your commands but obey them so we might live from our friendship with you into our friendship with others. In Jesus' name, amen.